You're listening to a podcast from the Cinema Geekly Podcast Network. We're the geeks you deserve and the ones you need right now. Kenny Omega feeling it from the sold-out crowd here at the Capital One Center. Wait a minute. Omega senses something's wrong. Oh, there's something wrong, all right. Oh, there's something right. John Moxley here to assault Kenny Omega, and this rivalry continues. Moxley dumping Omega to the outside. And Moxley, oh no. Oh, uh, therefore, are you kidding me? Oh, no, no. Not a glass coffee table. new episode of the elitist cinema geekly's aew podcast it's anthony lewis and nick montez and we are back talking aew dynamite episode one dynamite (laughs) yes uh they went with dynamite it was the uh the obvious choice i think since the uh whatever it was the the trademarks that leaked online forever ago uh, before AEW was even officially announced, there was uh, somebody had gone to the U.S. Patents Office website, searched for pro wrestling stuff, and found trademarks for All Elite Wrestling, found trademarks for Double or Nothing, and found trademarks for Tuesday Night Dynamite, which uh, ultimately became Wednesday Night Dynamite, which was then just shortened to Dynamite. Uh <laughs> I don't know how I feel about the name. It's a name, you know, like Raw. What kind of name is Raw or SmackDown? But you know, over Dynamite time, works with TNT though. You know, yeah, it makes yeah. Sense. I I think for me it was a little too evocative of Nitro. I I don't know how much you want to, and they Nitro was brought up a couple times on this show at least. Uh, it was I don't know how much you want to relate things to WCW. Uh, I know Cody Rhodes loved WCW, but you know, the last memories people have of WCW, if it's not the WCW invasion angle, uh, then it's, you know, the actual end of the actual WCW, which, you know, not so good, uh, the way that company went out. I mean, if you want to just be nostalgic and only remember the hot glory period of WCW with the peak NWO and the cruiserweights, that's cool, but... I don't know if you want to run that risk or not. So I'm iffy on the name, but ultimately it's just a name and it will definitely be something we get used to over time. So, uh, show opens with, uh, a show open. They've got a, an opening. They revealed it on Twitter, uh, the other day. I don't know how you feel about it, Nick. It's just a show open, but 
it definitely felt like a show open you'd see from like WWE, like that kind of music. Uh, it's kind of got that modern pro wrestling TV show theme vibe to it. I thought it was okay. Uh, we open on the, well, we open on the, I was going to say we open on the announcers, Nick, but that's not really the first thing that, uh, occurred to my eyes as they're, Oh no, something much bigger. Yeah. Something, yeah. Something much bigger as they're panning around the audience. We see Kevin Smith and Jason Mews in the front row. (laughs) What, what is happening right now? Little did I know. (laughs) Uh, I I thought that was the coolest thing, just because Jericho has been really involved with Smith lately, doing lots of podcasts and being in his movie. I'm like, oh, it's so cool they got him to be on the first episode. It's, yeah, it's just weird to me, but you know, uh, we we then cut to the announcers. It's Excalibur, Jim Ross, and Tony Schiavone. And uh, I'll tell you what, I got I did get the nostalgia feels hearing. Tony Schiavone sounding just like Tony Schiavone. Like Jim Ross doesn't sound like peak Jim Ross anymore. Uh, but Tony Schiavone sounds just as Tony Schiavone as he ever has. And talking about wrestling here on TNT, I certainly got the nostalgia vibes for sure. Uh, I was going to ask you about that. I wasn't a big WCW guy back in the day, but mm-hmm. I obviously watched quite a bit since then. So I was going to ask you as someone who grew up with it, did it make you feel happy to hear Tony back on TNT? Yeah, I thought, I thought it was really cool. And honestly, I thought, uh, this was the best three man booth they've put on. I thought Tony Schiavone was like, I really like golden boy. Uh, but Tony Schiavone obviously has a lot more pro wrestling broadcasting experience under his belt. Uh, I thought Tony sounded great here. Uh, Jim Ross was Jim Ross. Uh, Excalibur was his usual good self. And they sort of got this vibe here going on. You've got the two voices of the Monday Night Wars calling this new program. uh, And with them is like the pro wrestling voice of the future. So I think that that's like a a really cool vibe they've got going on there. Uh, They run down the matches for tonight, and then they throw to a Cody and Sammy Guevara hype video. And then that leads into uh, the first match. Uh, And this crowd is, by the way, on fire uh, for this opening match. Uh, I thought it started pretty basic back-and-forth stuff. Sammy Guevara adding some, like, flash a little bit, but nothing crazy. Uh, And then, out of the blue, Cody hits, like, an Oz cutter. Like Will Osprey springboard cutter. I've never seen him do that. That that was weird. Uh, Sammy kind of hits one of his own, and then Cody goes for a suicide dive to the outside, but Sammy pulls Brandy Rhodes in front of him, and Cody suicide dives his own wife. Uh, but uh, she was not down for long. Uh, Cody knocks uh, Sammy down into the ropes, and Brandy is back up. Hits Sammy in the head with his with her with her high heeled shoe, uh, and Cody hits the disaster kick for a near fall. Uh, Cody does a like a super reverse suplex off the top rope for a near fall, uh, and then Sammy does this awesome Spanish fly off the top rope where he does that uh, that single jump from the mat to the top rope. Uh, that was really big. Uh, Cody gets his knees up on a shooting star press though and cradles Sammy Guevara 
for the win. Uh, before we talk about the post-match, what did you think of the uh, opener? I think this was actually my favorite match on the show. Really? I'll say that right off the bat. Yeah, okay. I just thought it was very well done. Um, there's a couple things I noted that um, you mentioned Brandy um, getting taken down by Cody. Uh, that was like Sammy pulling her in the way. One thing I've noticed is Cody has kind of been putting on some of the best matches in AEW. I would say he's usually mm-hmm. pretty close to match of the night on most of the shows they've done. And I feel like they're finally making him a proper baby face where before he was kind of this weird in between where he'd still cheat, but he'd get cheered. Mm-hmm. This was like the first time in a while where I'd noticed Brandy interfering in the match and not just because it was because Sammy pulled her in the way. So she's like, well, now I can actually get in there and attack. But yeah, I thought the match was excellent. I, um, I I think they built it up really great on commentary and mentioning uh, their win-loss record and everything. I loved that aspect of it. Like, right away, it felt like everything was kind of a big deal, even though you were pretty certain Cody was going to go over in the match. Mm-hmm. Um, so what would you give Cody and Sammy Guevara as I open the Grapple app to find out what the aggregate score is from the users of that particular application? I would give this one three and three quarter stars. Okay, I went three and a quarter, so we're kind of in the same ballpark. Uh, and Grapple is right in between us with a straight up and down three point five, three and a half. So I feel like we're kind of all in the same ballpark there. Mm-hmm, definitely. Uh, first, oh wait, so post match. Uh, Sammy and Cody look like they're about to share, uh, in a moment of mutual respect when Cody is attacked from behind by AEW champion, Chris Jericho. And, uh, he hits Cody with like, uh, the Judas effect, like the code breaker. And then they go to break, but the first break is a live picture in picture. So they are showing... Uh, the action muted, of course, and commercials are on another uh, larger screen, but in a smaller screen, you can still watch what's going on. Uh, and during the break, Jericho lays out Cody with a belt shot. Uh, he continues to beat on him when they come back from commercial break, including giving Cody a power bomb through two very padded chairs, which uh, I would think would actually hurt quite a bit because those chairs aren't going anywhere with all of that padding on them. So, uh, obviously continuing to set up, uh, their announced pay-per-view main event for full gear in November. Uh, obviously Cody gets the win here, improving his record and, uh, maintaining his number one contender spot against Jericho. Uh, up next is Brandon Cutler and MJF. Uh, MJF cuts a promo on the crowd and Cutler, of course, uh, Brandon Cutler does like a, like a, the first big thing in the match is Cutler hitting a suicide dive on MJF onto the outside, but turns it into like a Thez press combo, like a cruiserweight stone cold, Steve Austin complete with bald head. <laughs> Although, uh, I don't think stone cold, uh, ever played D and D, but no. I, I could be wrong. Uh, <laughs> But then things got weird real quick. Cutler came off of the top rope, and then it looked like he slipped, but he looked like he also tweaked his knee. Not sure if legit, not sure if selling, not sure if part of the plan, not sure if a botch. Uh, But he walked over to MJF hobbling. 
MJF nailed him with a forearm and hooked him in with the salt of the earth, which is a Fujiwara armbar, and Cutler taps out. Not much to say, but what did you think of Brandon Cutler and MJF? This is what I expected for the most part, just a match for MJF to get heat and get a win, but what did you think? I thought that it served its purpose. It showed that Cutler, he is a jobber, basically, you know, for all intents and purposes. Yeah. Uh, but he's not a pushover. He can go in there and, he, you know, he can go, and I think it'll build him up for when he eventually gets a big win over someone, it'll be more of a big deal. Um, it showed off uh, MJF that he can get that win pretty quickly when he's on his game. He didn't really have to cheat or anything. I mean, yes, he did something behind the ref's back, but it was a forearm, so... Um, he got the win pretty straight up. Uh, I thought it was solid for what it was. It was a good way to showcase Cutler a little bit and keep MJF as that big heel that he is. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what would you give this not much of a match? Um, I'd, I guess I'd have to go with around maybe two and a quarter star. I okay. think that's where I'd go. I went, I went one and three quarters. Uh, there just, yeah, it just wasn't much. And I wasn't sure if there was a screw up at the end or, or what it served its purpose, obviously is introducing MJF as an asshole. Uh, (laughs) grapple gave this 1.78, uh, as a, as a whole, uh, what did we get next? Oh, I note here that they seem to be taking commercial breaks after matches. And I was so excited but then I found out later that they don't take commercial breaks after matches. So uh, there were matches where commercial breaks did, in fact, occur uh, during and there. And I was telling you earlier that I uh, had watched the show twice. The weird thing is, is when you're watching it live, you get that picture in picture. But on demand, they're not including the stuff that they showed during the break, hmm. which is kind of unfortunate, which I was going to make a point earlier. I thought the Jericho beatdown at the end of the first match went a bit too long if you were watching it picture in picture, but showing it on demand, I'm like, oh, it, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was. You know, it didn't seem as long. Yeah, it, it seemed to stretch forever watching it picture in picture. Um, it did. The, the, the announcers throw to Chris Van Vliet, who is down at ringside. Uh, I wrote here, Chris Van Vliet interviews Jay and Bob. Uh, <laughs> uh, really, he was just interviewing Kevin Smith uh, and Jason Mewes. Uh, about their upcoming Jane Silent Bob reboot film. And uh, Kevin Smith says that uh, Jericho plays a villain in the movie, and now he realizes that uh, he's being typecast because he is, of course, a a villain in AEW as well. Uh, They're interrupted, weirdly, by Angelico and Jack Evans, (laughs) <laughs> Although Jack Evans got in the line of the night in which he screamed at Jason Mewes that Moore's day and the times suck, uh, which I mean, I laughed and anybody who's familiar with like Jane silent Bob strike back will laugh at that line. But I can imagine that there's so many people who have no clue what's happening right now. Uh, <laughs> and Jason Mewes says something about like how Angelico and Jack Evans have never even won a match. Then Private Party showed up for some reason, I guess, to scare off (laughs) Angelico and Jack Evans. Look, I don't know how you felt about this, Nick. I know uh, I'm a big Kevin Smith fan. I know you are, too. Uh, That being said, I can't pull punches here. In my notes, I wrote, this was Monday Night Raw bad. 
this was just cringy to me. I, I didn't like this. It was pretty cringy, but I thought it was amazing that they put one of the biggest stoners out there with Jay and Silent Bob. So <laughs> that part of it was wonderful. <laughs> um, what I really like is just how much Kevin Smith was putting over AEW rather oh, yeah. than talking about the movie. And I think he said on Instagram later that he's surprised that he's never been like this big of a wrestling fan and he thinks he's going to be going forward because he uh, he sees it as like real life comic books, I think is what he said. Yeah, and that's um, so what it yeah, kind it, of is, yeah. Exactly. So the segment wasn't the best thing ever. I laughed because of the Morris Day comment. But, oh, I laughed so yeah, hard. Yeah. I was just like, <laughs> no, I'm like, no one can know what this means. No. <laughs> uh, it was such a goofy reference. And they also used this as a, a way to ham fist tag tournament talk. It just felt, all of it felt really weird to me. Uh, I was like, uh, to me, this felt like their first flub. Like, I, I just, this felt uh, weird and out of place. But... Uh, they then pitch to an SCU promo where the boys are outside of the White House, well, really far away from the White House, but you can see it off in the distance. And here's the thing that I learned, Nick. Scorpio Sky does a really good Barack Obama impression. Oh, my God. I was blown away. <laughs> uh, they then put themselves over. And then they cut back to the arena where SCU also is on the stage. Uh and they're being interviewed by Tony Schiavone, and uh, they're talking about the tag team tournament. Scorpio Sky announces that it is going to be Christopher Daniels and Frankie Kazarian, which are the team uh, being representative SEU in the tournament, when they are interrupted by Los Lucha Brothers. And Phoenix gets on the mic. He says that they're the best team in the universe. Uh, Pentagon says, no fear. Uh, and then spits water in Frankie Kazarian's face, and then they have a pull-apart brawl. I thought this was much better than the previous segment about the tag team tournament. The promo almost looks like it belonged on BTE, not so much the main show. I mean, it was funny, but... Oh, the White House thing, yes. Yeah. yeah, I um, I feel like you didn't need that, and them live in front of the audience back-to-back -back like that. You know what it is? Uh, I but... think they just heard that impression, and they're like, that's television good. We can't just yeah. put that on our internet show. That's so good. We need to put it on TV. Oh, for sure. Um, but yeah, I, I like the pull apart. I will say this as a, uh, and I'm curious if you agree or, or not, but I would say before we get to the end of the show, this, I think there is one failing because it's something that is never really addressed during the show. I would say one failing of this show is, they did not take any time to introduce who any of these people were. Like there were no short video packages of like, you know, I'm this person and this is my style and this is a bit of my story. Uh, there was like no real introductions. They sort of just kind of, with the exception of MJF, you sort of figured out who MJF was because he got to cut a promo. Uh, and they did a teeny bit with Cody and Sammy Guevara although didn't necessarily really delve into who they are, although I think most people tuning in would know who Cody is, but not Sammy Guevara. Uh, uh, definitely not. I, I think the reason for that was you had so many big names on the show already that maybe they didn't feel the need to do so many introductions. They really wanted to keep it more Russell-heavy. Yeah. But I do agree with you. There could have been a bit more emphasis on the people rather than just going straight into 
Yeah, I I know if I saw a few people on my Twitter timeline that were like, it's getting frustrating having to explain to my friends who are new to this, like who all of these people are, because it's like in every match there's somebody they don't know, so I have to explain to them who they are. Uh, I could see, like, yeah, I think they should do a better job of being like, uh, you know, like a personality profile video uh, or something along those lines. Uh, at least for the people who, you know, didn't have WWE exposure prior to, uh, prior to this, I think it would have been smart, but, uh, they opted not to. And I think they're maybe hinging a little bit on the, uh, the perception factor of these people came out in front of this big audience. Uh, cause the show looked great. The arena looked great. It looked jam packed. Uh, and the crowd was pretty into everything all night. Uh, I think they were really relying on the, uh, these guys come out, you've never heard of them before, but this giant audience is reacting to them like a superstar. So they must be somebody. Uh, so I think that maybe they were hoping the perception factor would, uh, kind of make up for the fact that they weren't doing a lot of personality profiles, uh, hangman, Adam page and the bastard pack. And uh, they go to break before the match actually starts. So I'm not sure what they did in the meantime. Like, they do their entrances, and then they're like, you know, we'll be right back. Uh, so I actually don't know what they did in the meantime. Maybe Pat cut a promo. He's a, a really good promo. So maybe he just cut a promo on Washington. Uh, <laughs> match starts trading heavy blows. Uh, JR notes that if they go to break during matches, it will be picture-in-picture. Uh, I note here that something seems amiss with the ropes because Pac slipped twice. One time on the uh, Asai Moonsault to the outside, which he did hit, but when they show the replay, his left foot slipped off the rope and he didn't quite get the height. Uh, it's just his incredible body control and athleticism that helped that one. Uh, and then the second time was much more obvious when he goes for the springboard 450. And I've never seen... Pack or Neville or whatever you want to call him, go for some sort of springboard flying move and have it look not a million percent crisp. Uh, it did not look, he didn't get full rotation on the 450. He looked very up, like he went over to the ropes and hit them. He was not happy. Uh, so I don't know if the ropes were slippery or what, but he didn't look good. But they came back here a little bit. Page made a good comeback, uh, hits a scoop slam into a cutter for a near fall. Uh, they go to the commercial break picture in picture where pack basically just worked over uh page the whole time they come back and page starts another comeback hits a huge moonsault to the floor uh they get back into the ring uh, and he goes for uh the dead eye but pack gets out of it and uh, they kind of get jumbled up with referee earl hebner and earl can't see and pack hits page with the uh, the hidden low blow the old rick flair Mule kick to the balls. Uh, Page is down. Pack hits him with a black arrow to the back off of the top rope. And then hooks in the brutalizer for the win. I thought this match had its moments, but never really took off. Uh, if you saw the match they had in England before Double or Nothing, that match was way better than this one was, I thought. I don't know if it was the slippery ropes or you know, having to break up the match because of TV time, but this one just didn't connect as well as the, the one they did in England. What, what did you think of it? I thought it was a pretty solid match, but I'm kind of on the same wavelength with you there. It didn't, 
it it was obvious that was more of a TV match than a pay-per-view match. Like, they weren't going full tilt on this one. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm not sure if I caught this right or not, but Hangman passes out in the hold, right? He doesn't tap out? I think he passes out, yeah. And I don't think you really can tap out in the Brutalizer because both arms are pretty securely fastened. So I don't know if you can even really tap. So I don't know if it was a verbal submission or if he passed. I think they're doing the pass out because Kenny passed out at All Out as well. So I think they're doing that. I was going to say that I think uh, Pack is going to be the guy to just make everyone pass out in the company. Mm-hmm. I, uh, pack I, I out. didn't quite pack out. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was it was a solid match. It wasn't. It makes me excited for what they're going to do down the line because you know there's going to be a rematch event. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what what did you give it? I gave it three. Did you say three? Three. Okay. Uh, we're close on this one. I gave it two and three quarters. I can't believe I gave this match two and three quarters because it's these two guys are really good, but it just didn't it didn't really click for me. Uh, Grapple is above both of us. They gave this match a three point four one, close to three and a half. So they liked it. They liked it a bit more than we did, for sure. Uh, next up. Uh, is Nyla Rose and Riho for the AEW Women's Championship. Britt Baker comes out for commentary. She adds very little to the proceedings. Uh, somebody noted on Twitter that she has slightly more life than Alex Marvez. So <laughs> maybe she's uh, the, like, Brit. I find Britt to be pretty good in the ring. Uh, but she may have to work on the personality and promo area. Uh they go to break before the match starts. They come back for the introductions. And I'll tell you what, Nick. The first thing that stood out to me was how incredibly tiny the women's championship looked. Did you notice this? It reminded me of, like, an old belt that, like, Moolah would hold back in the day. It was super small. Like, it could have been a watch or something. Yeah. yeah. Paul Turner held this thing up. And it looked like the toy... Like, it. it it's obviously not... It's made of real belt material, but it looked like my foam intercontinental title I got in like 1995 when I went to In Your House in Saginaw, Michigan. Uh, it just looked like a toy. It did not look like a full-sized actual championship belt. And uh, spoiler alert here, based on who they gave the championship to, they made the right choice because this belt would have looked incredibly, incredibly tiny on Nyla Rose. Yes. It looked... Uh, it it looks so small. Anyway, the story of this match was Nyla powerhousing Rio around, and that was really the story for the most part. Rio would try to make a comeback, and Nyla would power her back down. Uh, at one point, Nyla grabs a like a chair, and the ref's like, "Hey, no chairs!" And then she's like, "Screw you!" And she grabs a bunch of chairs, like piles them up on the floor, and she lays Rio's prone body on them and goes for a swanton bomb off of the apron onto Riho, but she moves, and Nyla crashes onto all those chairs, and then Riho follows it up with a double stomp off of the apron. Uh, they go to a, a break, and during the break, uh, Nyla, Nyla cut off Riho with a Samoan drop. And also during the break, Nyla did her uh, flying guillotine knee drop that she did to Riho at Fighter Fest, which is a really impressive-looking move and I can't believe they did it during the break here because there was no crowd reaction or commentary on it or anything like that uh, that would have been a move I would have saved for the actual uh, 
of the actual broadcast, but it happened here during the break. Uh, when they came back, uh, Riho is about to be powerbombed, and I give her an A for ambition here, Nick, as they try to do a thing where Riho is going to backdrop Nyla Rose, and it didn't work. Uh, I, th- I presume the plan was for it to actually happen, and Riho's frame just crumbled. Uh, so that might be the most ambitious spot of the year, but it didn't work. Uh, Riho then cradled Nyla Rose, just like she did at Fighter Fest, where she beat her. Uh, and the crowd remembered this and popped huge for the near fall. Uh, Riho then, uh, uh, oh, Nyla gets up on the ropes. Riho gets up there with her and is giving her like these machine gun forearms. Uh, which the crowd is, like, really getting into her now. She gives Nyla an avalanche northern lights uh, for a big near fall uh, and then goes for these double knees, which Nyla at first ducks, but then Riho hits her in the back of the head with the double knees and then facing forward with the double knees and gets the three, and the crowd goes bonkers. Uh, Post-match, Michael Nakazawa is going to interview Riho when Nyla attacks them. Uh, she almost kills Nakazawa and then manages to save his life only to then powerbomb him. Uh, and then when she goes to kill Riho, Kenny Omega, her uh, frequent intergender tag team partner in Japan, came out to uh, save her from, from Nyla's wrath. But Riho is the first champion. What did you think of the match? I was not that big on this match. And I kind of feel mixed about it because... I watched it last night, and I remember being really into And I think having those little spots in between where I could still see action going on during the commercial added a lot more to the match. Mm-hmm. When I watched it today without that, I just kept thinking, this match looks really botchy. Right. Um, it, it doesn't look like it's being pulled off well. I thought the double knees at the end, you mentioned she ducks, but to me, I just thought it was like this awkward kind of mistime moment. And I honestly think they could have ended the match with the Northern Lights. Um, I, I'm happy Rio won. That was, uh, the outcome I wanted. And I think it was kind of spoiled once again, like you said, because of the size of the belt. I'm like, there's no way they're giving Nyla that. Um, I do think it'd be cool to see something down the line to see Nyla either wrestle Michael Nakazawa, which they like to do their comedy. So that's definitely something that could happen or even Kenny Omega. Uh, but I was not that sold on this one. I think I only gave this one two stars. Wow, so you're like way... So this is the one where you're like lower than everybody else because everyone else was yes. much higher on this match. Um, I'm lower than Grapple as well, but I like this match a lot more. I So it did look sloppy in spots, but uh, like by the end of the match, it was sort of... For me, it was made up for by how much the crowd was really getting into it and how much they were behind Riho. Uh, I thought after the the break... Uh, where they came back and then did like the stuff leading to the finish, I thought was all really good. Uh, I thought Riho looked really good. Uh, Nyla is got potential, but she's really new. Like her greenness is still showing quite a bit. Uh, I don't know. I don't think much of this was really on uh, on Riho's shoulders. I, th- I thought she looked really good. Uh, she doesn't have as much. I... Oh, go ahead. I f- I feel like there were some moments in the matchup where they just didn't gel that well. Like, And I think that was more on Nyla than Rio because 
Um, obviously, her offense isn't going to look as devastating on Nyla, and they really she didn't really start getting hits in until Nyla took that dive onto the chairs. Um, so there were points in the match where I was like, it doesn't really look like she's striking and Nyla's like selling it as well. And there, I, I was almost conflicted at some points. Like when you mentioned the spot where she was trying to uh, give her the uh, suplex and she kind of messes up, I'm like, I can totally see that from the aspect of she just she's too big, she can't do it. But I also saw the botchiness in it, so. I'm, I'm serious when I say I was really conflicted on this one. I felt like I liked it a lot more the first time I watched it, and the second time it just didn't sit as well with me. Um, yeah, so I I don't know. It, it worked more for me. Uh, I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Uh, and at, in the end, I went three and a quarter, which isn't like a, a lot higher than what you had it, but uh, the... Uh, the people of grapple gave it a 3.47. So they almost gave this three and a half. Yeah. They were, uh, much more bullish on this match. I thought it was pretty good. Uh, I thought it could have been better, but all things considered, uh, I think they did. I think they did well. Uh, after that main event, uh, the elite, against Chris Jericho and Santana and Ortiz. The Elite, I thought, weirdly came out to the BTE music. I thought that was weird, too, that they didn't either have a new theme or that they were using their normal theme that they came out. But did you notice at the start of their entrance they had a Marvel-like uh, cinematic entrance? like a Kind little, of, yeah. Yeah, like they were doing the flipping of the comic book pages with the red showing off all the titles they've won in other organizations as the elite. Yeah, it was just, yeah, it was just kind of strange, but you know, whatever. Uh, Kenny showed zero signs of the character he's been playing on being the elite. He was just a baby face, fresh white meat, baby face, walking around, slapping hands, doing the, the elite thing that they do, the chant. So that was strange. Apparently it plays, it's not playing really any, uh, Whatever happens on those shows are disconnected, it would seem, uh, from uh, what actually happens on TV. Uh, I note here that I believe Santana and Ortiz need a team name. Their team name cannot be Santana and Ortiz. Uh, Mostly I I, noticed this because when they came out, Justin Roberts announced them, and it was just Santana and Ortiz. I'm like, that's just not, they need something better. If they can't do LAX, they need to do something. I think they had like attempted, or maybe someone just called them the Bariquas on the last show. And I thought that was the name they were going to go with. So I was a little bit confused when they just came out of Santana. Um, so the match starts like crazy, like frenetic from the get go. Uh, Kenny's doing all these spots with LAX. Uh, and then Jericho catches Kenny in a Frankensteiner and goes for the walls of Jericho, but the Young Bucks super kick him, and then they super kick LAX, and then they do these dives, and then Kenny's going to do the Terminator dive when John Moxley shows up behind Kenny Omega, and they start brawling, and they brawl into the crowd. Uh, Kenny hits Moxley with a mop, and then starts mopping the floor, which everyone in this crowd knew what that meant. <laughs> they were going nuts as... Excalibur is screaming about the cleaner. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, they the match is still continuing. Uh, 
uh, in the ring, but Kenny and Moxley continue to fight. And one thing I noticed kind of off in the distance, skimming through the episode the second time around, um, I was looking up over their shoulders and you could see the entrance way and they have like these two entrance videos and one was showing the video of the ring, uh, action and one was showing the video of the brawl. So that was pretty cool. Uh, so like the fans could keep an eye on both of the things happening at the same time. Uh, and they fight over to this, they called it the VIP section, but I don't know what kind of VIP section this really is, Nick, because it's way far away from the ring and the crowd. And as best as I can tell, there was nothing there for these guys to watch the show on. So I guess they were just there to just sit around and eat food and drink champagne. Uh, but Moxley grabs Kenny and gives him the paradigm shift through a glass table, which was bonkers. And I'm pretty sure this was like, I thought it for sure it was like fake movie glass, but when they showed them, like this thing was like the glass shards were like all over the place and differently shaped and pointy looking. So I'm not entirely certain that this may not have actually been actual glass. I'm not hundred percent positive, but and it didn't look like they were all cut up or anything. So I don't really know, but it looked cool. Nonetheless, uh, they went to commercial break. The match is continuing in the ring, but doesn't appear to be a focus when that happens. Uh, back in the ring, there is still a... Ma- oh, by the way, this was the first commercial break I think they took that wasn't picture-in-picture. Picture. Uh, when they came back, the match is still happening. There's still a man advantage for the bad guys. Uh, Santana and Ortiz do a bunch of great double teams. Uh, Matt managed to get his knees up on a lion salt, and then he makes a comeback with a bunch of Northern Lights suplexes. Uh, he gets the hot tag to Nick who does this, uh, crazy comeback, uh, dies and kicks and stuff everywhere. Nick Jackson is awesome. Uh, they go for the Meltzer driver, but Jericho catches Nick out of midair with a code breaker. And then they triple team Matt Jackson, uh, that lead to a, a triple team Judas effect and a three count for Chris Jericho. Uh, before we talk about the post-match, uh, what did you think of the main event? Uh, I, I think it was solid. I think it, it was a good way of furthering stories. Not necessarily a great match, but just a good way to kind of push forward what they are. Um, I guess what they're trying to do with all these different storylines going on. Like you obviously had Kenny and Moxley. You got to see a little bit of LAX wrestling, the Bucks, and of course Jericho gets the big win because he's the champ. Um, I thought it was solid for what it was. I think I gave it uh, a three stars for. Okay, and I was I was higher. Uh, I was higher than everybody on this. Almost, I went three and a half for this. This was my. This is actually my favorite match on the show. Uh, I really liked. I liked everything. I, I liked the uh, the the start. I liked the the craziness with with Moxley and the brawl and everything, and then everything from when they came back from the break. I thought was just. Real fun, real solid wrestling. Crowd was into it. I really liked it. So, yeah, I, I went three and a half, but the people of Grapple are closer to you on this one, Nick. They gave it uh, 3.17. Uh, so, post-match, things went nuts after this match was over. They um, Jericho and Santana and Ortiz continued to beat up the Young Bucks when Cody ran in to make the save. Uh, which made sense, right? Because uh, Cody and Jericho. Uh, and then Sammy Guevara ran in, which made sense because of Cody and Sammy from earlier. 
And Cody looks at Sammy, and Sammy just kicks him right in the balls. Uh, and Cody goes <laughs> down like a like a like a chopped tree. Uh, and then Dustin Rhodes runs into a big reaction, and that makes sense because Cody is his brother, and he's laying out all of these dudes, uh, power slamming uh, like Santana, and he he kicked Sammy Guevara in the balls uh, as payback, and then Jack Swagger appeared, Nick. <laughs> And, oh, pardon me, not Jack Swagger. Uh, undefeated MMA Jake Hager from Bellator. There you go. <laughs> uh, I, and I believe I'm literally quoting Jim Ross as undefeated MMA. He didn't say fighter. He's just an undefeated MMA. Uh, <laughs> Jake Hager, which is, of course, the real name of Jack Swagger. Uh, he comes in, he lays out all of these guys... Uh, does his, like, running Vader bomb thingy. There's a loud We the People chant. Uh, and it appears that all of these men are in a stable together. Or they have formed some sort of anti-elite stable, uh, it would appear. So what did you think of uh, the the ending here? What do you think about Jack Swagger's involvement in AEW? Uh, I'm curious to know your thoughts. I thought this was cool. I uh, I like that you got... I mean, if this is going to be a stable going forward, I'm pretty sure it is. Um, you got Jericho with LAX, which is a great set of guys right there. You mm. got Swag Daddy in there, who I'm a fan of. Mm. Um, I think it'll be cool to maybe rebrand him as like the MMA-type fighter style. Like Maybe he'll be the Ken Shamrock of this group. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you got Sammy Guevara, who's going to be able to learn from all these guys and He's already really impressive with what he's done thus far. So I thought it was really cool. I thought it was a nice surprise. I'm all for it. And I like the idea of someone being able to go up against the elite. Um, I thought it was well done. uh, And the crowd certainly loved it. But I don't know about Jack Swagger. Uh, I was not a big fan of him in WWE when I was watching during that period. It's you know it's not like I hated him, but I he would be like the definite. I mean, he was a lot. A lot of people were like that to me, but he fits into that category of being the very definition of indifferent to me. Like, you know, either way, I I had no particular feelings, but I was I was never like, wow, I can't wait for that Jack Swagger match. Uh, I don't. I never found him particularly charismatic or like ex. Like he's solid in the ring, but I've never found him like, you know, exceptional or I, I don't think I've ever seen a great Jack Swagger match, that sort of thing. Uh, I get your feelings of indifference towards him because he has had a very flip floppy kind of career. He had the whole, we, the people thing. Mm-hmm. And I actually think he was pretty damn entertaining when he was in uh, ECW. I feel like he was good up until the point he became world champion. And that's kind of where he started to go downhill he gained mm-hmm. some momentum back and then went downhill again. So I can understand how you're feeling. Yeah. I just like the guy. I'm a fan of him. Yeah. I, I just don't know if he's a center. I, I don't know if he's a centerpiece, centerpiece material. Like, I don't know if that's like the big surprise you want coming back. Uh, and it, it just depends on the audience. Like, uh, you know, we're not going to talk about the, uh, the opposing battle. Uh, the opposing soldiers in this war, Nick, because that's a another podcast I do. But 
I will say this: they had come, they had some surprise returns on that show that I was far more excited to see. Uh, this is not something that excites. Like I, I'm sitting here thinking to myself, I can't think of a single person in AEW where I'm like, I can't wait to see that match. Uh, you know, I want you know, uh, and this is. Uh, this is just a thing. It's a criticism I'm leveling here because Tony Khan talked about how AEW is going to be about, you know, being like the best work rate promotion. A literal phrase he said, by the way, uh, which is weird. I can't imagine Vince McMahon ever using those words in a sentence, but uh, <laughs> something that Tony Khan promised. And when I think of guys like that, like, I don't think of, you know, the former Jack Swagger. Like, I know they don't have a working relationship with New Japan right now. And I know they're kind of far off from the possibility of even trying to lure any of those guys away because they're uh, under contract. But um, there are far more people like, you know, he's like not in my I don't even know if he'd be in my top 100 people where I'm like, you know, we got to you got to bring that guy in. Maybe. No, I'm going to maintain an open mind here. Maybe they can do something uh, interesting with him, but they're going to have a lot to overcome in my book. I think he's going to be kind of like Chris Jericho's bodyguard, like his heavy. Because mm-hmm. that's what it seems like from like the post-show stuff I've seen where I yes. think they were doing a thing where Jericho was walking in the back and he pushes the camera out of the way. And I think that'll work. But yeah, I, I can see yeah. where you're coming from. Like, If you want to get a big MMA guy, why don't you go after someone like Filthy Tom Lawler? Or there, There's plenty of other options. Filthy right? Tom would Swagger. be awesome, by the way. But... Yes. Uh like I said, I'm going to keep an open mind. I'm going to do my best to put my personal feelings for this guy aside because outside of wrestling, I think he holds a lot of really shitty viewpoints that are honestly, I think antithetical to what AEW says that they represent. So in that regard, in general, I'm surprised that they hired him because of that, but I'm going to try to put all that stuff aside and give this dude a chance. If they can do something interesting with him and it works for me, I will say that it works for me. But I, I'm skeptical. I was really surprised. Like, this was uh, akin to uh, they announced on, I will say this, because this wasn't head-to-head with AEW, but last week's NXT, they did this main event where they promised a mystery tag team and to team with Kushida. And I'm like, oh, man, they could get, like, Mustache Mountain. They have all these teams that they could bring out to team with them. And he teams with Breezango. So, uh, you know, it's like, I, I don't want surprises like this. I want surprises that excite me, not surprises that make me go, oh, uh, so, and this was a surprise that made me go, oh, I mean, I'm look, I'm not going to, I said it, I'm not going to deny that the crowd was into this. Uh, they loved all of this. Uh, and if that worked cool, uh, it just didn't really, it didn't really get my, my furnace going. So. But we'll see, man. There's plenty to go. Uh, This is not a one-off. We'll be back next week with more. So the tag team tournament starts next week. So uh, any other thoughts on the first episode of Dynamite, Nick? Any other other likes or dislikes from the show? I'm excited to see where we go next week. I think it was a solid two hours of wrestling. Mm -hmm. I didn't feel really bored by anything. No. There's a bunch of little things that I noticed that I enjoyed. Like, I like that they're showing um, everyone's records when they come out on their nameplates when they come out. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I just think it's 
pretty cool so far, and I'm excited to see what we do with the tag tournament because there's some really awesome matches lined up for that. It's clear that they're doing a uh, they're doing like a singles record. If you're in a tag team match, they'll show your tag record. And if you're in a trios match, they show your trios record, and they'll also show your overall record uh, as well, usually, alongside all of those things. Uh, so that's all really cool. And I'm sure once we get more into it, once the, the weeks start adding up, uh, there's going to be uh, more stuff. And as somebody, I'm not like deep into statistics, but uh, I do enjoy a good statistical analysis eventually. And I think there's actually a lot of fun things you can do with wrestling and statistics, assuming you like statistical analysis. If you don't, you know, it's not really going to matter that much. Uh, but the fact that they'll be able to like on commentary tell you like, you know, Cody Rhodes is like, you know, really good in matches that are, you know, if he can keep the match to under 15 minutes, his record is really good. But as matches draw on, he tends to lose more matches like stuff like that. I think are real fun and interesting touches that they're going to be able to add to, uh, matches to give them like that little extra spark of sports feeling. I think, um, you know, and you can do that from anything to, you know, winning percentages with submissions and, you know, how effective finishing moves are and all sorts of fun stuff like that, that I think will all add to help, uh, help make the presentation feel, uh, like legitimate competition. So, uh, I'm excited for it. So yeah, I agree. I loved the, uh, I love the inclusion of all the stats and they did it for everybody. Uh, unlike All Out, where there was a little more selective, they did it for everybody uh, on this episode. So that was really good. Although, I did see something that kind of made me chuckle a little bit, Nick, uh, when Nyla Rose came out. Um, she got this shot as a result of winning the uh, Casino Battle Royale, which they noted on her lower third graphic uh, that she's the Casino Battle Royale winner. But it flashed on the screen and then disappeared very quickly because if you blinked, and you actually saw her record, it's like 0-2. Like, she's never won a match. So they're like, let's get that off of there real quick, because people will be like, why isn't why isn't she won any matches? Um, and it, you know what? It makes it makes sense. She hasn't won any matches. She's She's got less experience than Riho. She had the size advantage, right? But way less experience. Riho has more wins, and Nyla doesn't have any wins. So... It actually kind of made some sense that Riho won. I know people were thinking that Nyla was going to win, but uh, statistically speaking anyway, it makes more sense that, that Riho won the match. Anyway, uh, we'll have plenty of time to talk more about this, this silliness as the weeks roll on. Let's thank the good people over at ThinkGeek for sponsoring this episode of The Elitists. Head on over to cinemageekly.com slash thinkgeek uh, to pick yourself up some geeky collectibles and apparel. That is at cinemageekly.com slash Think Geek, or click the uh, support us link in the show notes for this episode. And uh, speaking of cinemageekly.com, while you're there, you can check out the past archives of this show. And of course, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and Spotify. Just search for The Elitists. Hit subscribe, and that way you can come back next time and hear us talk about week two of AEW Dynamite on TNT featuring the start of the AEW Tag Team Championship Tournament. <laughs>